Good evening. So let, me, so let me talk a little bit more about the buddy system. Can I do that? We are, we are so excited about this ministry that's going to be launched here at the Newport News campus for, for families who have kids with special needs, meaning that they can't function in what we would maybe call a typical setting, that this is an unreached people group in every city in America. Uh, they're not able to come to a church service like this because the child care is not set up to accommodate a child that we would say is not typical. And so God has been moving on our heart for some time now to, to change that here uh, for this campus. So, so we want a campus of City Life to always be able to, to, to say to a family that has a special needs child, no, no, you can come to church here. And we're going to have specially trained child care workers. Your child's going to have one-on-one attention uh, with that worker. They're, that one worker is going to be assigned just to your child to be their buddy in the nursery or in workshop. And then that family is going to be able to come uh, and worship here uh, and experience God's presence. That, that I think for many of us, we just take for granted because that story has not been our journey. And so I can't emphasize enough that, that if you're not involved in serving on a monthly basis here at City Life, this is your entry. Come on. And then for some of you, maybe you're already serving on a monthly basis and you're saying, you know what? I'm willing to double down uh, in my service. It might be that the way that you serve doesn't take you out of the, the service. There's, there's different roles that might not take you out of the worship experience. And you could say, well, there's, I'm, I'm willing to serve an extra time. And so there is an application that's important. We do a background check uh, for our child care workers. Uh, and then we're going to train. You might say, I don't have any experience in working with special needs kids. And what we would say is all that you need is a willing heart. And if you've got a willing heart, that we've got some top-notch people here at this church that this is what they do for a living, and they're going to give you uh, all the training that you need. And so that sets up, I had forgotten that we were doing a big push for the buddy system uh, tonight in the service, but this sets up this next big push that I want to make, the slide that's about ready to pop up there for you. So if you know JB and Nate and Charlie there on the left and their family that have been coming here to City Life for some time, uh, for some time now, that He's a child that's got some special needs. He has a unique form of muscular dystrophy. And, uh, the, and, and Charlie has really been part of the inspiration for us to make changes here at City Life. And, and, and I was here in the sanctuary months ago praying uh, for the, the service. And, 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 I, and I wasn't praying about this ministry. I wasn't praying for Charlie or for their family. But as I was in here, God began to speak to me about Charlie and their family. And, the, and, and, and what God asked me was, was this, was, was, Fred, you would have made changes a lot sooner if this was your child, right? And, 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 and I was ashamed in that moment, in that time of prayer. And because and my, my answer was, you're darn right I would have made changes a lot sooner if this had been my child. And so we began to get on the phone and call leaders. And it was soon after that that Tyler Ashworth and Jessica, who oversee workshops, said, we're willing to move uh, a workshop from upstairs into the chapel. If you remember, it used to be in the upstairs, and so kids with special needs couldn't access it, and so they turned that thing around in about two weeks, and, and then we just said, let's not stop here. Let's just keep going, 
And so we began to gather people together, and that's where this ministry buddy system came uh, into being. But what we know is that families with special needs, sometimes their needs go beyond the four walls of the church. Sometimes there needs to be help inside the four walls of their home. And so because of Charlie's unique needs, he can't access the, the bathroom in their house, that, that he needs a bedroom on the first level. So you're going to be hearing a lot about City Life's involvement in this project with them in the near future. This is just the beginning of it. So we're going to partner with them in the way that they're trying to raise money. And then the church is going to begin a dialogue of how we can maybe get involved in and actually doing some of the construction in their home. And so you're going to be hearing about that even more. But this Tuesday night, they have a fundraiser that's right here in, in, in town. And uh, it's at Indulge, is it, right? It's at Indulge. It's a bakery. Indulge Bakery. Am I saying that right? Bakery and Bistro, this Tuesday night, and they've got 20, I want to say 20-some tickets left, 20, 20, 20 tickets left. We, we need to sell all those tickets tonight. Right? I'm just saying. So Vanessa and I are going to buy two. They're $50 each. There's going to be a silent auction. For some of you, you might not be able to go. That's okay. You just buy the ticket anyways. You're tracking with me? And so I'm just, if you're here, then you can see Charlie and Nate. Raise your hand. Right there, right there. You can see Vanessa and I after the service. We, we want to sell every one of, single one of those tickets tonight. And again, if you can't go, then you write a check. And then if you're going to be able to go, then you'll see us there because we're going we're gonna to be there. Come on. And we're going to make these changes for Charlie. And so look, can we just pray into that? Father, we just lift Charlie up to you today. Jesus, you said that there's going to be times where we entertain, entertain angels unaware. And I know that, that in, in many respects, God, I, I think those are maybe encounters with strangers that we, that, that, that we didn't even, that, we, that we're not going to know about until we get to heaven. But I think sometimes, God, that, that, that verse, it, it has, a, has a, a different meaning. That there are not strangers that you put into our lives, but there are, are people that you've planted into the middle of our lives that we're gonna see day in and day out and day in and day out. And, and we're supposed to respond to them and serve them and reach out to them as if it were an angelic encounter that we read about in scripture. So we thank you for Charlie, for the angel that he is to this congregation, for the angel that he is to this community. And we know, Father, that you have a special purpose for his life. That his unique need is not going to handicap his destiny. And Father, we pray that you would find every single one of us faithful. That call City Life Church our home. And the contribution that we're supposed to make into this child's life. Come on, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, you can clap for that. It's good. So I have no idea what I'm going to preach on. I really don't. I knew, I knew on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and on Saturday at five o'clock when the service started, but then Shani comes up, right, and gives that amazing exhortation about this idea of, 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 of our head has to get out of our way. I, I think I'm going to preach a sermon on that. I, I really have no idea how it's going to go because I've been writing it for about 20 minutes in my brain. Have we been worshiping? Then David gets up, right? I mean, come on. The prophet who prophesies about the prophet who proclaims a savior? Who doesn't want to hear that sermon, right? Now, I'm going to make you a little bit uncomfortable, but 15 don't care, right? That's my new tagline. I'm not going to be able to preach that sermon because I'm too white to preach that sermon, right? You with me? Chris is nodding his head yes, right? Because he's my friend, right? Because when, when I'm in black church, right, there's, I, I see all kinds of people who can preach that sermon. The prophet, right? 
who prophesied about the prophet, who proclaimed the same. They could preach just that one line for 20 minutes and the whole room gets saved all over again and half the people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> Have you ever been to the Latin church? It's the same thing. I leave, I leave those services bitter because I'm French. Yeah, I'm French. We eat escargot, which is a fancy name for snails that you dip in butter, right? A revival never broke out from the phrase, huh, oui, oui, yeah? <laughs> never in the history of the world. So the prophet that prophesied about the prophet that proclaimed the Savior, yeah, that's going to be a good sermon that you're not going to hear from me. Sometimes our head has got to get out of the way of our heart. It's got to do it. The, the sermon that I was going to bring, which I'm hoping to start next week, it's a two-parter. We're going back into the discipleship series coming out of Easter. But I believe this sermon is one of the most important teachings that, that you will ever hear at City Life. We teach it every year, at least once. It's a sermon on rest. And I, I believe that, 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 that busyness, especially the busyness that churches perpetuate, is, is one of the biggest sins of society today. And, and, the, and the church is one of the, the biggest guilty parties for inflicting that upon people. It's one of the main reasons why we only do church on Saturday is because we're so committed to the practice of a weekly Sabbath that we were willing to do whatever it took to create a day for families to rediscover that. And so if you're struggling with busyness and a lack of contentment and just you're addicted to a pace of life that you know is unhealthy, then tonight was going to be for you, but now you've got to come next week to hear that. Right, And because it's a two-parter, it's going to be the week after that as well. So, so I think it was, it was Pastor Justin and our campus pastor in Suffolk who were at, is it Mango Manger? Is that the, is that the resta- restaurant in, 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 in Phoebus? Mango Mango. I'm French, so I like to call it Mango Manger, right? So, which is French for to eat. That's right. So, so Mango Mango, right? This great little restaurant down in, in, in Phoebus. And, and Juice and I were there. One Thursday, we'd do a staff prayer and lunch together on Thursdays. I don't, I don't remember where everybody else was, but it was just the two of us that ended up going out to lunch. And so the server that, that came over, uh, we struck up, a, struck up a conversation with her and, and asking her, you know, how long she's been in the area. And she said, I've, I've been in the area for about seven days. And we're like, really? Right, because that's really new that you've only been here for seven days. And so she had moved here from out of state, was just trying to start over. She was, she was young, in her 20s, just looking for an adventure. So, you know, where do you live? Do you live here in Phoebus? And she said, no, I live over in Norfolk, down in Ghent, in the historic district. Like, oh, that's a great place to live. And, and, uh, and so I said, so what do you think about the tunnel? And she said to me, what tunnel? And I said, well, how did you get to work today? And she said, on Interstate 64, I think is the name of the road. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, is there another 64 that I'm not aware of, right? And, 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 uh, and I said, you know, when you were on Interstate 64, you were on a bridge at some point? She said, yeah, uh-huh. And I said, remember on the bridge where you weren't on a bridge anymore? And then you were on a bridge again? And she said, yeah. I said, that's a tunnel. And she said, what kind of tunnel? I, I, this is a real conversation. I'm not making any of that. And she said, what kind of tunnel? And I said, the kind that goes underwater. And she said, what do you mean underwater? <laughs> I kid you not. This is what she said. She said, do you mean the kind of tunnel 
that goes underwater and then a ship goes over top the tunnel while I'm in it under the water? And I said, yep. We call it the HRBT, right? Or sometimes some other names that we shouldn't call it if you live here long enough. And she, this is what she literally said. She said, I might not ever go home ever again. So I think she lives in Phoebus now. I think she moved here. So if you've lived here for any amount of time, you know that one of the greatest frustrations in being in the tunnel are the people that can't quite seem to recognize that if you can drive 55 or 60 on the outside of the tunnel, come on, then you're good enough to drive 55 or 60 inside of the tunnel. And if you don't want to drive 55, 60, 65, or maybe some other numbers inside the tunnel, that's okay. Then at least get in the right-hand lane. So the rest of us lawbreakers can be in the left lane, right? So how many, right? We're, uh, so many times I'm in the tunnel and, and I go, uh, this is what I'm saying, get out of the way, right? And then I don't say anything else because I'm a pastor and I'm holy, right? Get out of the way. Because we've experienced this, this feeling of wanting to advance and to move forward at a pace that's being blocked by something or someone. That's what this does to this so many times. Your heart, it's like it's in the HRBT and your head is the tourist from Nebraska that's frightened to death about being underwater. And it's shouting, get out of the way! Because there's progress that your heart knows that you're only gonna make in your life as a devoted follower of Christ if your brain is willing to trust your heart and catch up later. Catch up later is important because we're not abandoning the mind and intellect because Jesus himself said, when they said, what's the greatest commandment? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it's on the list. It's just not always supposed to be first on the list. And if you are an intellectual, if you're an analyzer, if you're a, I gotta think it through all the way, a hundred different scenarios before I commit, God doesn't wanna change who you are because that's gonna be the gift that you are that's gonna be connected somehow to your destiny. But what it doesn't mean is that your brain has the freedom to hold your heart hostage because sometimes your heart understands the truth of something long before your mind is ready and prepared and, and educated enough to catch up. Now, just in case you might think I'm making that up. There's this great story in John chapter three, which is really a continuation from Easter because Nick was in the tomb with Joe on Resurrection Sunday. You remember, right? So we're first introduced to Nick or Nicodemus in John chapter three. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Now, this idea of being a Pharisee, this is an important distinction because there were two ruling parties in the 
politics of, of, of Israel. Now, it's a religious state, so both parties are religious in their basis, but they are absolutely political entities. The Sanhedrin was the governing law-giving body to the Jewish nation, and the Sanhedrin was composed of two parties, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, to be a Sadducee, you had to be born into a certain family. These were the social elites. It doesn't matter how smart you were. It doesn't matter how much you studied. Unless you were born in certain families, you would never break in to this class of the Sadducee. These are the social elites. The Pharisees were the intellectuals of society. The only way that you got to be a Pharisee is that you were the best of the best in rabbinical training, and it did not matter where you came from. Did not matter who your family was. Didn't matter how much money you had. If you were smart enough, you could get far enough in this system and you could one day become a Pharisee yourself. And so this detail is given to us not just because they had an essay requirement by the Holy Spirit to meet a certain number of words when they were writing the Bible, is that every piece of information is instructive to us. And we're told that he is a Pharisee because the Bible is trying to help us to understand that sometimes the mind gets in the way. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, listen to what he says. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. These are all brain words. We know your purpose is to teach us to expand our knowledge, right? This is all about information because that's how he saw the world and that's how he understood religion. Your miraculous signs, listen to what he says, are evidence that God is with you. He even understood that the, the miracles themselves, which were amazing, served a purpose to bring intellectual assent to the identity of Christ. Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, right? So this is where Jesus throws him a curveball. Because he's saying to Nicodemus, you cannot understand this relationship with God through knowledge first. It's gotta be a conversation about life and love. And, and what he says to him, which I love, right, because he's willing to relate to the person that's in front of him, he says, I tell you the truth. He's saying, he's, what he's saying is, Nicodemus, I'm getting ready to tell you some things that are going to blow your mind. In fact, your mind is not even going to be able to catch up to what I'm trying to teach you. And we know that his mind never caught up because three years later, where do we find Nick? He's with Joe in the tomb with a hundred pounds of burial spices to prepare a body that they don't believe can rise from the dead, even though they heard Jesus talk about it for three years because the mind cannot conceive a miracle like that. I tell you the truth. Now, your Bible might say, verily, verily. Who are my King James people? Anybody got a King James Bible in the room? Verily, verily. Is that what yours says, David? Verily, verily, yeah. So, some people say, truly, truly. Anybody have that? Anybody have truly, truly? Yep, Sharon's got that. What do you have? New American Standard? New American Standard? We pegged you for a New American Standard. We know. We know, who, we, we know the Bible you read by the personality you are, right? I'm just saying, right? So, it, truly, truly, truly. Now, thumb over. 
Keep your finger there in John 3, or if you've got a device, swipe your way over to Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm going to read verse 9. We've taught out of this text a little bit years ago. 7 9 says, Understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. So that phrase there, faithful God. In the Hebrew is Amon El, right? So we're given all these uh, 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 renditions of the names of God throughout the Old Testament, like Jehovah Jireh, right? The, the the Lord who provides, and so forth and so forth. And so sometimes there, right? There's there's El Shaddai, right? If you're an Amy Grant fan, you know, right? Remember that song? And so so some of you are like, who is Amy Grant, right? You shouldn't know. That's okay. You don't have to ever catch up with that. Music is so much better. Now, can we just, right? Okay, thank you. I know I'm offending some of you. 50 and don't care. 50 and don't care. So, so, so this is, in the Hebrew, Amon El. Amon El, right? So, so one of the challenges of language translation is that sometimes the language that I'm in does not have a word for the language that I'm trying to translate. You tracking with me? So Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus. He's going to either be speaking in Hebrew or Aramaic. We don't, we don't know which one he was speaking. But the language of the educated in Jesus' day was the language of Greek, right? That was the universal language. So the original manuscripts of the Bible are written in Greek, even though many of the conversations were offered in Hebrew or Aramaic. Now, one of the challenges, sometimes the Greek language did not have a word that really mirrored or paralleled the, the Hebrew word or the Aramaic word. So the word here in Hebrew is aman. And, and there, there isn't a word in, in, in the Greek. And so that's where we get the word amen, right? This is the etymology of this word for us, right? So we get the word, we get the word amen. But amen didn't really come around till much later in time. And so they just kind of struggled. That's why the King James says, verily, verily, because really what he said to him was aman, aman. And the reason he said aman, aman is because the Hebrew language doesn't have superlatives, right? We, they didn't have things like very, right? So, so, so that's why in the Bible when you see holy, 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 that was like the, that was like the crescendo of, of being able to, like when you would say I'm really hungry, right? If you've got a teenager, I'm really hungry, right? Even though they just ate 20 minutes ago, right? They would say hungry, 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 right? To bring emphasis to how hungry they were. So, so you might see two, or sometimes you see three, and that would be the most. That would be the biggest exaggeration that you could get to, or not exaggeration if it was a true reflection. And so, so Jesus says to him, Aman, Aman. Because he's trying to bring emphasis to the point that he's trying to make. And Nicodemus, being a Pharisee, would have known this verse in Deuteronomy because the only way that you can become a Pharisee is if you've memorized the Bible chapter and verse, right? The Bible then would have just been Genesis to Malachi. The New Testament didn't exist. Chapter and verse. He would know it. You would throw it out to him. He would, right? Jeopardy champion, right? So he says, Aman, Aman. Nicodemus knows right what he's talking about. He's talking about Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. 
Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, listen to me. God is faithful. And the degree to which you trust in the faithfulness of God, you can trust in what I'm about ready to say to you. That's what that verse means. That's what those words mean. Aman, aman, or verily, verily, or truly, truly. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, as smart as you are, your brain is not going to understand what I'm about ready to say to you. You believe that God is the great Amon El. You've already said that you believe that he sent me. Now I'm getting ready to ask you to put your trust in me, even though your brain is not going to figure it out. Sometimes the head is in the way of the heart. You got, you, you got to love Nicodemus' response. Verse 4. What do you mean? Right? He can't get out of his own way. Right? He says, what do you mean? Right? He's saying to Jesus, no, 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 no. I'm not moving forward unless I can figure this thing out. My, my head is the only way that I can engage God and religion in life. It's my intellect first or nothing at all. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus. How can, a, can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, right? Verily, verily, aman, aman, truly, truly. He says it again. Mine, the New Living Translation says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, which is talking about natural birth, right? The water breaking, natural birth, and the spirit. There's a natural birth, he's saying to Nicodemus, and there's a spiritual birth. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Nicodemus is there in this room with Jesus and he is desperate to figure it out. And Jesus is looking at him and saying, buddy, I'm telling you right now, you've got to let your heart get out in front of your head. And if you don't, Nicodemus, not only are you not ever going to be born again and not one day enter the kingdom of heaven and eternity, but you're not going to experience the heaven on earth that I want you to find. These parts that are in you, right? He's saying, I was there when it was created. I created the mind. I created the intellect. This is an important part of the human experience. But he also created the heart, this idea of desire, this idea of passion, this idea of love, this idea of intuition, Sometimes the heart can sense the truth of something intuitively that might take the brain and the mind years to catch up to. And he's trying to help Nicodemus understand that there's got to be a new harmonization of his humanity if he's going to walk in the fullness of his destiny. Listen to what he says. The wind blows wherever it wants. 
Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Is Alvin Tatum in here or Carla? Where are they? Are they in here? They might be working in kids' church. They're meteorologists. They don't like this verse in the Bible. They're like, oh, I know where the wind's coming from. I know where it's going. Yeah, they do, right? Because meteorological sciences, what they are today, are not what they were then, right? There was no Carlin Alvin Tatum 2,000 years ago. If you ever talk, you need to talk to them about weather, right? They met in where you go to school to be a weather person, right? Alvin was in the Navy and Carla's in the Air Force. And that's, that's what they did in the military to forecast weather. And they make fun of weather people all the time, right? And their biggest complaint is they get percentages. I didn't get percentages. When the lieutenant colonel walked into my office, he said, I want to know if it's going to be raining tomorrow at 2 o'clock. I didn't, I didn't get to say to him, there's a 70 to 80% chance it's going to rain. He, no, no, you had to say, it's going to rain tomorrow at 2. Or it's not going to rain tomorrow at 2. Where, where, where meteorological science has, has advanced to is it's, it's a world away from where it was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, they had not figured it out. Some of it, but not most of it. And the reason why the, the genius of Jesus in this moment, in this conversation with Nicodemus, he's saying, Nicodemus, because he was a person of means, because once you ascended to this political status of a Pharisee, even if you came from nothing, you've got something now. These were wealthy people because of their new position in society. He would have traveled on ships. He understood that commerce was a huge part of commerce in Jesus' day was for, through trading of ships amongst nations. Militarily, ships were a huge part of war. They did not understand everything about the wind, but they still recognized that it was real. And they were willing to trust their lives to it. They were willing to travel by it. They were willing to engage militarily in battles because they knew just enough to harness it. He's saying to Nicodemus, don't you tell me that you can't let your heart get out in front of your head because you're already doing it in these areas of your life. You've just never thought of it that way before. He's saying, what I'm asking you to do, Nicodemus, it's not unreasonable. Society is already doing these things that I'm challenging you to do. What I'm saying to you is you've got to take what you allow yourself to do in commerce, you've got to bring that into religion. What you allow to happen in the military, you've got to bring that into religion. Even, right, what you recognize and allow to happen through childbirth itself. Just think about where medicine has come from what it was 2,000 years ago. They didn't understand everything that we understand today about the human body, but they still celebrated it. They kept having kids. That's why we're here today. He's looking at Nicodemus and saying, don't you give me that excuse that you're an intellectual, you're a Pharisee, your head can't get out of the way of your heart. Your head gets out of the way of your heart all the time, Nicodemus, so quit crying about it and just do it. Let your heart speak to you about the truth of what I'm saying to you and take a step of faith. 
You gotta love Nicodemus because he's us and we're him. Nicodemus falls at Jesus' feet and thanks him for opening his heart. No, 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 no. What does he say? How were these things possible? Do you think Jesus got frustrated with people at times? Oh, I think he did. Do you think he gets frustrated with us at times? I think he does. See, sometimes we're the Nebraska tourist in the HRBT, and God's behind us. And he's saying to you and to me, get out of the way. If you're not going to speed up, then get out of the way. Because he's busy doing some stuff in this world that's eternally significant. He comes back for us, right? I'm not saying he leaves you behind. That's the beauty of the story of Thomas. He's not even there where he's supposed to be at Jesus' first appearance to the disciples. Don't you love that Jesus came back a second time for him? Sometimes he says to us, get out of the way. He comes back for us, but I think it breaks his heart when he's got to leave us behind for that moment, not, not because it affects him, because we miss out on the glory of what he wants to invite us to be a part of. How were these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. That's a nice way of saying, how in the heck did you get your job? Right? Not that any of you have ever thought that when you were being served by someone who was incompetent. Right? Right? You with me? You ever had that thought? I don't even know how they got this job. Right? Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, what? How, how are you in the position of being a religious leader in this society when you don't even understand this basic principle about the harmonization of the heart and the mind? Because what he's saying to Nicodemus, what he's saying to Nicodemus, is this concept of being born again and, and this idea of being born of the Spirit, yeah, 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 yeah. That, the, 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 the heads, it's gonna take the head a long time to catch up. But this idea of the heart leading the mind, he's saying to Nicodemus, this is elementary stuff, Nicodemus. This is just, this is 101. This is prerequisite stuff. I assure you, Verily, verily, aman, aman, truly, truly, I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, right? What's the earthly thing? The earthly thing is the harmonization of the heart and the mind. The earthly thing is this idea that you've got to let the heart get out in front, right? Because he gave him the earthly example of how that happens. He's saying, if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things, which is the conversation about being born again? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. This is why we put our trust in Jesus about how to get to heaven, because he's the only person who's ever been there. Right? There's a lot of religious leaders trying to tell us how to get to heaven. I'm not putting my trust in any of those people because they've never been there before. Jesus says, hey, I came from there to be with you, to tell you how you can be there with us one day for all eternity. 
As Moses, listen to this, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Another sermon for another time. For, here it comes, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Doesn't it say for God so understood the world? It doesn't say for God so figured the world out. It doesn't say for, for God so engaged the world in an intellectual way that it caused all of us to be drawn to him. He says, no, 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 Nicodemus. It's about life and love. You gotta let the heart get out in front of the head because this is what God himself does. You don't think God has an intellect? I think he does. You don't think that he's a critical thinker? Oh, I think he is. But there are times where God's heart leads the way, and I'm glad it does. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son, which is probably the most unreasonable kind of act that you could ever do, but it happened because God's heart was out in front of his head. His only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is what's so powerful about this verse, because God does not tell us to just love his son in turn. Are you, are you reading this with me? God loves us, but at some point we do have to believe in him. He's not saying abandon the mind. He's not saying abandon your brain. He's saying that, yes, God reaches out to us with this passion and this love that's absolutely unreasonable. And the way that you're going to respond to him, yes, it's going to require a willingness to believe. It's going to require a willingness to accept some things intellectually. But there are going to have to be things that you're willing to accept that you don't yet fully understand. And the part of it that you don't understand, you've got to trust that when your heart is telling it, telling you that it's true, that it's reliable. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, because that's about information. There is going to be a judgment, but that wasn't the reason why he came the first time. But to save, right? Saving people is about passion. Saving people is about love. Saving people is about casting all risk aside to step into the moment. To save the world through him. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. So this is how we're going to close tonight. We're going to sing a song in just a minute. But, but this, is, this, is what I want to, this is what I want to leave you with. Is that I want all of us this week to think of one thing, one thing that you could say, I know in this one area, I've got to let my heart get out in front of my head. Because I guarantee you that all of us have at least one thing. At least one thing. For you, it might be, 
I don't know how on earth I'm going to come to church every week. My life's just so busy. Well, then you really need to be here next week because next week's sermon is going to be really good for you, right? You track it with you. You might be saying, "I don't. How am I going to be able to figure that?" Might be the one thing where you're going to say, "I know I need to be there. I'm going to. I'm going to trust my heart. I'm not going to have to plan my schedule out perfectly every week because if you do that, you're probably not ever going to come. That might be the one thing. For you, it might be in some of the things that the Bible asks of us about finances. For some of you, it 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 it, it might be that maybe there's a relationship that's been fractured. Right? And you're trying to figure out, and God's saying, you, at some point, you just got to believe it's going to happen. I don't know what yours is going to be. I don't, I don't even know what mine's going to be. I'm just saying this week, let's pick one thing. Right? Pick one thing where we can say, God, I'm Nicodemus. You're Jesus. That's role playing for me, but not for you. Because he really is. And you're going to begin a conversation with him. And you're going to say, I need you to help me like you helped him. I need my head to get out of the way of my heart. Whatever this one thing is that you're going to pick, you're going to say, God, I'm going to let my head get out in front. Even though I don't understand it, even though I don't have it all figured out, I trust that my one day my, my mind is going to catch up. But until it does, I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to take the step of faith that I know that you want me to take so I can move forward in this life that you've called me to live. Stand up. Father, as we step into this moment of worship, as we step into this moment of worship, God, the, the, we know that your Holy Spirit is so present with us right now in this moment. And, and we know, Father, that for some people, they don't need to wait to... to to put their finger on it this week, that you've been putting your finger on that one thing for them since the moment we started working out of this story and out of this text. Father, I pray for for each of us that it's not going to take us over three years to get there because that's what we know it was for him. We know this conversation, God, it took place with Nicodemus early on in Jesus' life. And then three years later, after his death, Nicodemus is still there in the tomb and his his head won't get out of the way of his heart. Father, I I pray that that whatever this one thing that you're going to help us to see this week, that it's not going to take us three years. It's not going to take us three months. It's not going to take us three weeks. It's not even going to take us three days. And it'll take us about three minutes to make a decision to trust you for something that maybe we're not ever going to fully understand. Because we know this is, this is the risk, God, we take with you. This is the risk. We know that our mind might catch up some, but we know that there might be some things we're not ever going to understand at all until we get to heaven. So for some of us, God, it's about our head getting out of the way of our heart. And with some things, the mind's just got to choose to accept a back seat until we get a face-to-face with you in eternity. Father, help us to find the faith to let love and life be the foundation of what it means to be your child to embrace you as our father 
In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together.